The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Friday upon us, everybody. We made it. Once again, they said it couldn't be done, and once again, it was done. A week in the books. A week in the books. I feel good about that. I feel like we I feel like we really accomplished something. Week 10, we roll into the weekend. We are as ready as we're going to be, I guess. Anywho, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. It's our Friday edition of the show, and I am your host, Dan Bespris, as per usual. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you spending your podcast hours with us here at Hoop Ball at Fantasy NBA Today. It, again, we, we do not take this lightly. Reminder here to start the show, please, if you have a moment to drop a five-star review on the podcast, we will be forever in your debt. The number does continue to climb, so I know I know there are at least a handful of you out there that haven't quite yet gotten around to doing it, so please be that person this weekend. Drop the old five-star review, whether it's, again, on your iTunes, on your computer, or on your the neighbor's computer in your office, Somebody else's, maybe you're just, maybe you're listening to this podcast as you roll over to your uh, grandma's place for the holidays. I guarantee you she hasn't booted up my podcast, but you can. She might have an iTunes account. So uh, find it, click on over to the rate and review tab, drop the five-star guy. If you want to write something nice, that'd be great, but it doesn't need to be done. Uh, And again, we'll love you forever. Friday shows, we have a few things on our docket. We've developed this sort of new strategy this year of number one, we go through the Uh, Most recent results, meaning Thursday's card, which was bigger this week because of the Christmas holiday. So we got a six-game Thursday instead of our usual two to four, but, you know, not a massive change in how we assess things. Then we'll go through Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays games in addition to Thursday and line up everything that's happened over the course of the week, meaning our favorite pickups, drops, watch list, hold, and streamer guys, which this week, let's see, what do we got here? 8, 11, 16, 20, 27 names on the list we'll go through between those five categories. Uh, So that'll be the week in review. Then we'll take a look ahead at the Friday, Saturday, and if necessary, Sunday games to get you situated for what we're going to be watching for throughout the weekend, both from a fantasy and a betting standpoint. And as I've mentioned before, once we get that actual gambling pod going in about uh, two weeks, maybe a little less than that, then uh, we'll do a little bit less on our own show. But for right now, I want to make sure that we get all of that good stuff in. First and foremost, Thursday's results. This was, in my estimation, not a particularly interesting uh, day of results. You know, sometimes we have those Thursdays where you've got, like, two games, but there's, like, six fantasy notes from the two games. Not so much this week. Not so much this week. This Thursday, you had six games and very little to pull away from it. For one, Detroit-Washington was a massive blowout, so you can pretty much throw all the numbers out. Frankly, when you look down and you see that Andre Drummond only played 24 and a half minutes, you know that the minutes are not going to make any sense. Had this game been closer, Blake Griffin would have played more, Derek Rose would have played more, Andre Drummond would have played more. Beyond those guys, it's not clear who would have joined them. Uh, But Tim Frazier got the start with Luke Kennard now out for a couple of weeks. 
And we've seen this from Tim Frazier before. He's not going to hit five three-pointers a game. He's generally a pass-first point guard. So no, I'm not advising a stream on him. I think you're just going to see more Derrick Rose usage in general. And then with the first unit, as long as Blake Griffin is still dragging his knee up and down the floor, then he's going to be the guy picking up the usage in that respect. So bye-bye, Markeith Morris. And then, of course, you got the big Christian Wood game in this one because it was a blowout and he got himself, you know, 14 minutes of garbage town. So if you want to bank on garbage time, be my guest. But that's a really dangerous thing to bank on, especially with uh, kind of a middle bad team. On the Washington side, Bradley Beal uh, went into the locker room in the fourth with, I believe, what was described as leg soreness, whatever the hell that means. It's possible they were just getting whipped and he was like, you know, I'd have screwed on a plane through this thing. I think you're going to see a lot of overreacting in the fantasy community. I'm not going to throw up any kind of red alarm bells with this yet. He plays through all sorts of stuff and they were getting beat. If he misses a week... Then I'll get a little bit nervous, but until then, let's just sort of hang tight. I, I let, no reason to panic. The Wizards signed Jonathan Williams and immediately let him play 33 minutes, which, by the way, is actually worth monitoring for a streaming perspective because Yamahimi is just not very good. By the way, um, I know Detroit is without their lead broadcaster right now, but whoever picked up the play-by-play on the Pistons TV cast, come on, man, Yamahimi's been in the NBA for a dozen years you could learn that he doesn't pronounce his name Ian. For goodness sake, you're a professional organization. Uh, Gary Payton, two good games in a row here in fill-in duty. However, Isaiah Thomas is due back for the next one. Uh, and that's likely, basically, it's a lot of his minutes because then they're going to slide. If Beal plays, he'll slide over more often. Uh, you'll see you know, more Troy Brown. He's still got his 28 minutes and he's in pretty good shape. Here's the thing. You can cut this up 900 different ways, but at the end of it all, you're not going to want to mess with a lot of these names because they're all very short-term, and there's no guarantee of consistency among them with the possible exception of Troy Brown because he's been playing okay, and that is probably enough to get him a more safe streaming post on your team if you're into that sort of thing. Like, he's had about two weeks of pretty good basketball under his belt in slightly deeper leagues, um, and then he's been good enough for these last two weeks to get himself onto traditional 12-team formats. I just, I don't know what it's going to look like when, if or when they ever get fully healthy. Davis Bertans still out, Mo Wagner, Thomas Bryant, I mean, Rui Hachimura, we haven't had an update, even though he's now missed his five games that they said he was going to miss. So who the hell knows with this team? And then if Beal is out, well, then a reason to sort of stick around. So Troy Brown, I think, is above the line in terms of guys you'll probably want to stream for the time being. And then he's likely going to fall on his face when they get healthy. Um, if Jonathan Williams does it again, you could probably add him to sort of the, the streaming chart bucket. But again, there's the, we know he's not a good foul shooter. So let's hope that doesn't creep in. The 33 minutes was certainly something. That shows you how thin they are in the front court right now. But listen, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce this kid's names. Uh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Pasenich? That's a biffing. That is a prime biffing. I have no idea how, so I'm not even going to bother. Uh, no, you're not picking him up. Gary Payton, you're probably not picking him up. There's, there's only so long that these guys can kind of keep it rolling like this. 
I mean, there's a reason he hasn't been a fantasy asset in the past, and it's because these guys can't do it for more than a game or two. New York at Brooklyn. Uh, Julius Randle's heating up with Alfred Payton as his starting point guard, someone to just get him the ball in a better spot. So if you waited it out, that's now, I think, three good ones in a row for Julius. Of course, I traded him away. The one league where I got stuck with him back-to-back 30 plus point performances three games in a row over 50 percent percent shooting um still not going to do anything for you on the defensive side but you're, you're not complaining with these last few games this now makes him a top guy over the last week he's inside the top 60 um and that's a, that's a huge difference it's a huge jump for him marcus morris is back he played well so luckily that achilles thing seems to be minor mitchell robinson was good again alfred payton was decent if unspectacular 13-7-4. He did it a three-pointer and got a steal, so you'll take it. I'd like to see more assists, but I like the percentages, or the field goal percent at least, and I like the one turnover. And suddenly the Knicks have like four okay fantasy assets. Was Peyton the key all along? I don't think so. It just, you know, you're going to run warm and cold a little bit. Brooklyn was terrible in this game. You can pretty much throw this one out. Uh, we know what to expect from that team going forward. Memphis, a nice road win in Oklahoma City. Jaron Jackson Jr. was terrific in this ballgame. When he can stay out of foul trouble, he's been pretty damn good lately. He's number 63 overall on the season. He's been uh, top 30 asset over the last couple of weeks. And he managed to take some shots that weren't three-pointers in this game, which is kind of nice as well. Made two. Four boards, four assists, two steals, three blocks. He's never going to be a big rebounding sword. I think that was an overblown number on him. Like, he was going to go from five or six to eight or nine. I mean, he was at five last year. He's less than that this season. But his scoring is up. His percentages are are coming around a little bit. And the blocks are starting to trend up a tiny bit as well, which is also nice. Brandon Clark played 19 minutes and had a really good performance. 13-4-2, a steal block, and a couple of threes. Very good in limited action. Jonas Valanciunas, solid in this game as well. And then all of the point guards were actually okay, but none of them was all that good. So what does it mean? Nothing. Changes nothing. Line of the night, of course, belongs to our buddy Chris Paul, who continues to somehow stay healthy and, and just carry fantasy teams for us. 23 points, 6 boards, 11 assists, 3 steals, 2 3-pointers, 9 out of 15 shooting, 3 for 3 at the foul line. He has been terrific. His teammates were not very good in this game, however. And they lost. Oops. Probably not a game they were hoping to lose. Uh, Gallinari, who I thought would be back for this ballgame after he was a late scratch with some ankle soreness three days ago. Now they're saying he's out at least another two in addition to this one. So guys like Darius Baisley are going to play more, but it's largely going to be more three-guard lineups off the bench with uh, some smatterings of Terrence Ferguson in there as well, but mostly it'll be Schroeder, Shea, Chris Paul, kind of on the all on the floor together. They'll go very small, and then one big center, kind of a one-in, four-out thing. Man, how good has Chris Paul been? What a draft pick. That one is a celebration right now. He's been absolutely outstanding and healthy somehow, knock on whatever. He's number 12 by totals at this point. Can you believe that? San Antonio covered in Dallas. Uh, that was our lean on yesterday's podcast. I loved the fade of the return of Luka Doncic. You just knew it was going to disrupt things. He had a poor shooting game. Uh, and that allowed the Spurs to hang in there. And on top of it, we told you Spurs have been playing a little bit better lately. LaMarcus Aldridge has been a little bit better. 
which is funny because he's been quite good from a fantasy perspective, but from an actual game perspective, he's starting to ramp things up a little bit. Um, great percentages, as always, for LaMarcus. Made his free throws, didn't turn it over, a couple of blocks. Would have liked to have seen a couple more shots late in this game. He had 15 points you know, midway through the third quarter, and he ended with 17, which means his teammates weren't getting him the ball late. They went to a lot of Rudy Gay late in this ball game. So figure that one out. He did have a good ball game, but Rudy is well outside of the 12-cat ownership bubble at this point. I know Derek White had the better game between he and DeJounte Murray, but I far prefer Murray. Um, they did play together ever so briefly in this ball game, so we'll keep watching, but no big moves yet. And then on the Dallas side, here's a funny thing. Dillon Wright really only needs about 20 to 21 minutes to be fantasy relevant. He's, he's number 109 in 20 and a half minutes a game, so this puts him right on that number. He is a steal specialist, that's for damn sure. He still belongs, I think, on 12-cat rosters. It's just, it's very specialisty. It's going to be low-scoring, decent, like, okay rebound assist, great steals, good percentages kind of guy. Makes a lot of sense in 9-cat and very little sense anywhere else. Minnesota still without Carl Anthony Towns. I think that has to be the story in this one. I thought for sure he'd be back for this game, but his news was really nebulous. He was just questionable, and then all of a sudden he just, poof, wasn't playing. Rightio. Um, so that's not great. I guess, you know, I made some preemptive drops of Gorgie Jang. Luckily, nobody picked him up because I think everybody just assumed that that cat would be back. But uh, he's not, so pick Gorgie back up. And then uh, Rob Covington bounced back a little bit in this one. You know, he, apparently there was a head thing. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but he had a couple of games where his minutes were way down. They were back in a more reasonable number in this ball. Even though it wasn't like he blew the roof off the building. Nobody did, frankly. This wasn't that high scoring of a contest. But he's fine. That's the important part. Rashawn Holmes still rolling along. De'Aaron Fox missed the final Three and a half quarters of this game with back spasms, and Marvin Bagley actually hurt his leg uh, late in the third quarter. He was helped to the locker room by trainers. Um, we'll see. You know, we don't uh, we don't have all of the news yet, but obviously, you know, on our on our podcast earlier this week, I was saying hold on to Nemanja Bjelica until we figured out how his minutes were going to trend, and it. Uh, well, this, this would potentially be a pretty nice thing for him in a ball game that actually before Bagley got hurt, Bielitsa wasn't playing at all. So I was all ready to say at halftime, get him out of there. He's done. And now we'll have to wait and see a little bit what the, what the prognosis is on a Marvin Bagley. But Rashawn Holmes has been fantastic. He's still great, even with all these other guys back with or without Bagley. He's been fantastic. Uh, Portland, Utah, we were sort of keeping an eye on whether or not Kent Bazemore could get a little bit more usage, and he did get a little bit more usage, so maybe he bought himself another game or two if you're in slightly deeper formats. Carmelo Anthony's still playing big minutes on that Portland side, and then Utah is a pretty predictable lot, uh, particularly here with um, Mike Conley still out. And Jordan Clarkson made his debut and was fairly functional. I mean, he provides something that Utah desperately needs, which is any kind of bench scoring whatsoever. They have to stagger hard because their bench is so freaking barren. Especially now with Ingles in the starting unit. I mean, they have nobody. Their bench, because Royce O'Neal was starting in this game as well, 
without Jordan Clarkson, would have been Moutier, Tony Bradley, Ed Davis, and uh, George's Niang. Yuck. So that was a big move to pick up Clarkson. They needed him badly. Segwaying now to the stories of the week, the second phase of our Friday podcast. Let's start with the pickups because those are the most fun. Come on. Everybody wants to know who the pickups are, right? Let's get a little nuts. Um, the pickups, top of the list, and this is in no particular order. I was just working my way backwards through some of the stuff. Uh, from today's quick recap, which we just did a moment ago of the Thursday games, uh, Alfred Payton, DeJounte Murray, and Dillon Wright are the names I put in the pickup list because, well, they're probably largely on teams already, but DeLon Wright might not be. And I feel like there's a place for him on fantasy teams. Good, good percentages, really great percentages for a guard with a smattering of non-scoring stats. Uh, the other pickups. These ones I'll give a little bit more explanation since we haven't talked about them yet. Uh, Ennis Cantor is a pickup. I really like what he's been doing lately for Boston. I've mentioned it a few times throughout this week and last week on the podcast that he's just destroying everyone on the glass. He's he's squaring off against second units, which is, I mean, it, it's a it's a beatdown. It's a beatdown. There's no one in second units across the NBA that can rebound like Ennis Cantor. And on top of that, the guys around him in Boston are not particularly good rebounders. I mean, they're fine for wings and guards. But you throw him out there, and, you know, it's like Cantor, and the four is Jason Tatum. So he's going out there, and he's grabbing five, six rebounds in seven or eight minutes consistently. You'd say, the, oh, you can't keep that up long term. But literally, he's grabbing every missed shot, and he's getting two or three offensive rebounds a game right now as well. So I think he's worth owning because he gives you a similar stat set to a guy like a Tristan Thompson, but he does it without clanging three free throws a week. A week. A day. So make that upgrade right now. You know, maybe you give up one or two rebounds, but you save your field goal and free throw percent quite a bit. Man, how good is Rashawn Holmes? I know I'm getting distracted, but holy moly. I uh, put Serge Ibaka in the pickup list. I don't really know why. Um, he should... He should just be on teams already because he's the first man with a crack at those big man minutes, but whatever. George Hill is in my pickup list. I've been crowing about how good he's been lately a few times, actually, on the podcast recently, and I don't think it's fully sinking in with most people. George Hill is number 95 on the season, and over the last month, he's number 62 people. This is for a month we're talking now. And he's still... Only 30% owned. This is a month. And with somebody hurt, because it's either been Bledsoe or Middleton for the better part of three weeks now, he's been even better than that. So he desperately needs to be on fantasy teams. The fact that he's only 30% in Yahoo leagues is a travesty. He's shooting 60% for a month. He just takes shots when he's completely wide open. He doesn't miss his free throws. You know, he's always been a decent foul shooter, but he's even ratcheted that up a click this year uh, to 86% over his career mark of closer to 80. Everything's going in. No one has enjoyed playing alongside a superstar as much as the mighty George Hill. And so he's averaging 10.5 points on 6.5 shots a game. That's pretty remarkable efficiency. About a steal, three boards, three assists, less than a turnover. He's a nine-cat stud. 
he's a he's an efficiency monster, which is kind of a weird thing because like there isn't really another statistical category where he's he's blowing the roof off of anybody. Uh, he's just terrific in turnovers and both percentages. He's a guy you can throw into your lineup that's not going to hurt you anywhere really except rebounding. I mean, fine blocks as well, but like how many blocks do you really expect out of a guard anyway? Uh, really, rebounding is the only area that he's a, a noticeable negative to your fantasy team. Sure, you could get more points out of somebody else, but the fact that he can carry you in two percentages categories on it's lowish volume, but throw that in at a guard spot with a big man who can hit free throws, you'll win both of those percentages in Roto. He's less fun in head-to-head. I'll give you that. He's less fun in head-to-head. But I love him. I think he's vastly underrated. Damian Lee is another name in the pickup list, and we spent a bunch of time on him on yesterday's podcast, but we'll throw him back into the hopper here in this one. Obviously, he had his big coming out party on Christmas Day, but he'd actually been really good for six games in a row for the Warriors. Uh, 26, 34, 25, 35, 28, and 31 minutes in those six ball games. So he's averaging close to 30 minutes a game. Uh, he's broken the 20-point barrier three times. He scored in double digits in five out of the six games. And in the one where he didn't, he had six boards and six assists. In those six games, he has been terrific. I'll say, and and there are fun ways to sort of sort by this type of stuff, but Damian Lee over his last six games is inside the top 70. Averaging 30 minutes a game, 16 points, almost two threes, seven boards, three assists, about a steal, 44% shooting, 93% high volume free throw in there. He's been really, really good. He's right there next to Nick Vucevic over these last two weeks. And Chris Dunn, oddly enough. Drew Holiday is in there. I mean, these are guys that are on every fantasy team. And then Damian Lee, who's definitely not. I mean, he's obviously much more heavily owned over the last two days. But we were sort of ready to go on him prior to the explosion. We talked about it on the podcast. He was on the watch list. So when he started going nuts on yesterday's game, I tweeted about it. I said, I'm picking him up. We were waiting for this dude to find out what he was going to perform like. Hell yeah, I'm picking him up. The beauty of Damian Lee, number one, is that he rebounds because, uh, oddly enough, Willie Cauley-Stein is not grabbing a boatload of rebounds, and Draymond Green, aside from that Houston game, his energy level is not uh, not through the roof. You know, he's number 111 on this season. He's been better lately. So there's going to be boards for Damian Lee. There's going to be assists because he's just out there long enough as a wing who's going to make some passes. He's a very good foul shooter. And the minutes are now high enough where he should be able to get you some steals. On the season, he's averaging less than one steal a game. On the last month, he's averaging less than one steal a game. Over the last two weeks, he's at .8. That number conceivably could come up. Over the last week, he's number 16, right? So, big-time ad. Uh, I've seen blurbs rolling around out there about how he's, you know, not part of the Warriors' future. They don't know that. Maybe they're planning on bringing him back. They don't know that, you know? Nothing is set in stone. They went and they got him, didn't they? So they're trying to see what they've got. Maybe it phases out. I don't know. But they're playing better with him in, and that leads me to believe they'll probably give him a little bit more time. Uh, I also put Kevin Herter on the pickup list, but he's been on that side for a while now, so we can 
just jump right on over that dude the drop list this is the sad part of our experience this is where we have to look at the sad stories because sometimes guys just aren't doing enough and they have to be put back out into the great wide open the pool of free agents that don't belong on a fantasy roster and the first name on that list is Nerlens Noel, which just absolutely kills me. But it's safe to say that Steven Adams is finally healthy. That knee contusion was really bugging Steven for a long, long time. He's still shooting a god-awful 49% at the free throw line. But look at his recent numbers. Outside of the free throws, recently his popcorn stuff has been terrific. Over the last month, he's number 42 in nine category leagues. More blocks than usual for, uh, for Adams. Super high field goal percent, just like always, uh, 60-something percent over that stretch. He's actually shooting very close to a career high in field goal percent on the year. Uh, His rebounding is a career high, as we guessed it would be, now that he's sort of settled into his job without Russell Westbrook. Uh, The steals are way down. So you look at Adams, and, and you could actually see him even getting better if the steals come back a little bit. Maybe they're just different schemes, and so they won't be happening as often, and it's going to be more blocks. But he's been, again, 42 over the last month. Um, Obviously belongs on fantasy teams. No question. He's had a really rough couple of games from, from the foul line leading up to this particular podcast. So his value over the last couple of weeks has been depressed by the fact that he's, like, one of his last eight at the free throw line. Um, but you really can't grade him out on that. That'll always level off to right around 50%, so he's going to hurt you there, but, you know, it's not going to be 20%. And then the other stuff is going to be big. He's going to score a little bit. He's going to grab a, a boatload of rebounds, and he's going to get you descent, defensive stats, really good big man numbers. Also on the drop list, because that was Noel, Daniel Tice, who I've seen uh, still getting some love, maybe more than Ennis Cantor, in fact. Tice uh, owned in only 9%, so that's not really true. Um, but his minutes aren't consistent enough, and his per-minute production isn't consistent enough. He's number 120 over the last, or over the year. He's number 121 over the last month. He's number 115 over the last two weeks, number 140 over the last week. He's very consistently just outside of where I'd want my fantasy guy to be. But I still see him on a number of teams in my competitive leagues, and I feel like teams could do better. His value is tied up in blocks, uh, and percentages. And so he did have that one four-block game mixed in there, and if he can smatter those in across the stuff, he can kind of hang on to value. But I, it's not to me, it's not consistent enough. I need more. I need more from my big man, and I want somebody who has a little bit more upside. He doesn't have much. And finally, and I'm still... Still torn on this one, which is why I paused before saying it. It's my buddy Kent Bazemore, who, as I said earlier in the show, did show some signs of life in that Thursday game. Usage was a little bit higher, which is good. Um, but I, I think he actually falls more into the stream category. So I'm putting him in the drop, but mostly just because I think you could use him more intermittently. Because he's getting the minutes, you just kind of have to hope that you catch him on a day where he takes a few shots. It's hard to know when that's going to be. Real hard to know when that's going to be. I mean, I, I don't, like, could we have known that he was going to look a little bit more engaged against the Jazz than some of the 
S-bag teams that Portland's played lately? How, how could we possibly? So uh, the unpredictability of it makes him a streamer for me. So just file that in your head. He's on the streamer department. So he, he he's kind of a drop because I think he was on a lot of teams, but I think you could drop him and then you could use him intermittently and make him a, a, a pickup here and there. Those are the only three guys that I put on the, the full drop list. The other guys that I that I don't think belong on fantasy teams, Christian Wood, who had a good game on Thursday but really only plays in blowouts, and I'm going to lump Chris Boucher in with that. And you guys I know are going to kill me on this one. I've already made my position pretty well known on this pod. Um, if Toronto was getting, wasn't getting completely obliterated by Dallas and Boston, I don't know that he sees more than 14 minutes. This next game will be an interesting one because he played well against Boston in their blowout loss on Christmas. They play Boston again on Saturday in Boston. Presumably, that'll be a closer ball game. You usually don't see a team blow the other guy out two games in a row, immediately in a row. So let's say it's a close one. Don't we think Serge Ibaka gets back into the ball game? I do. And I have the same issue with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who I, I still believe had the first crack at minutes in most of these games, but he's not fully trustworthy either. So I'm I'm kind of out. I know right now it makes me seem like an idiot because it's like, oh, he just did some stuff. He had a good ball game. Why are you saying you're out right now? Well, I said it even after the other one. I, I just I don't trust them to get enough minutes on a night-to-night basis. I have Derek White on my watch list. He, you know, I've had him on my drop list for a long, long time, and I know he played a little bit better in this one. Um, you're going to need George Hill-like efficiency out of him if he's only playing 20 low to mid-20s in minutes. And you got something similar to that uh, on Thursday night with 10 points, four boards, six assists, and a block, but it really hasn't been nearly consistent enough to warrant ownership. You know, he's 7-6-4 and four. the last ball game. That was fine. 10-3-5, no defensive stats the one before that. 13-5-3. Very George Hill-like. Very George Hill-like, which... When you say that, doesn't it make you think probably should just have George Hill? Anyway, keep an eye on him just in case his minutes trend back up. But it was the first time he's been over 21 minutes in four games. Furkan Korkmaz is on my watch list, but that's it. I don't expect him to get any farther than that because Matisse Thibel will be back at some point. Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland are both on my watch list just to see what happens in Cleveland especially when Dante Exum comes to town and or is healthy enough to play. I don't really care for either of them at the moment, but we might as well watch the Cavs box scores to see if they can get over the hump and start playing enough minutes consistently to even be considered relevant. And Jonathan Williams, who we just talked about uh, as a Washington Wizards signee because they just have no big men left. So you kind of have to see. I had Rob Covington on the hold list. Hopefully he'll end up doing enough uh, in the the Minnesota whatever. Like, he, it's the minutes with him, right? I mean, if he's getting the minutes, he's going to take three-pointers and he's going to get you some steals and blocks. I'm not worried about it. It sort of doesn't matter what happens in this particular ball game because he's good enough to be on your team regardless. So that's an easy one. Um, I just put him on there because I was getting questions. Daniel House is back on the hold list with a couple of good ball games lately, although... We explained on yesterday's podcast, and I guess I'll take 20 seconds to do again today, that a lot of House's success in that last ball game came because the Warriors were trapping Harden at midcourt. 
So you had to give it up, and House had a whole bunch of open looks. J.J. Redick and Josh Hart are on my hold list, but oddly enough, I'm actually going to put Lonzo Ball on the drop list, which I know is going to kill... It's going to get me killed, but at this point, he's... Like, you can't really start him in a games cap format. He hasn't been nearly good enough to warrant that. Can we agree? I mean, he's not even close to fantasy relevant at this point. Not even close. So what are we doing? I mean, there's this upside that we all think about and, and assume is somewhere in there, but I, I, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. There's simply no guarantee. And Gary Harris is now officially in the hold department. I know I've been dropping him for a long time, but uh, he's been playing better, getting some steals. I, you know, you could he's, he's useful lately. More specialisty, yes, but he's been on that uh, in that bubble. And finally, the streamers, Troy Brown Jr., we talked about in Washington, Gorgie Jang with Cat out, Dante DiVincenzo. I've demoted him from a pickup to a stream, mostly because his fantasy game is just super boring. Rajon Rondo, as long as LeBron is out. Aaron Holiday, as long as Brogdon is out. Terrence Ross, because that's just who he is. And our reigning streaming champion of the world, Derek Jones Jr., back in there for another tour. Again, as long as Justice Winslow is out for the Miami Heat. And we take a look towards the future. First we go, it's like a present, then past, then future. That's our that's our Friday uh, order of operations. And I want to rem- remind everybody, because we're going to be talking about betting lines a little bit here in the next segment, to please do so with our buddies at mybookie.ag. I know you love them. I know you love them. You cannot convince me that you don't love them. So go on over there. It's mybookie.ag. They've obviously got football wagering still going. You'll have Super Bowl betting there. That'll be so much fun. You got to do it. There's so many cool props and fun things you can bet on the Super Bowl coming up in a few weeks. Oh, you got to do it. Uh, Use the promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. That is basically shorthand for Fantasy NBA TODAY. But we just wanted to go with one word, so they went with TODAY. T-O-D-A-Y is the promo code. You get a deposit bonus when you open up your account with that promo code at mybookie.ag. They've got parlays. They've got fast payouts. they got promos. they got customer service. they got it all. You bet you win. You get paid at mybookie.ag. Come do it with us. Would have cashed our last couple. Remember, we went 7-3 and three on Christmas Day. We got another one on yesterday's games. Anyway, let's take a look ahead now. Cleveland is at Boston. That's the early game. Uh, what? Is that real? Is that right? Is that really a, a game at one in the afternoon? Do my eyes deceive me? Do I get early basketball today? Oh, joy. Glorious day. Glorious day we get early basketball. Um, man, that's good news. Cleveland at Boston. I mean, it's sadly, it's Cleveland at Boston, but at least we got good news. Uh, we'll watch Darius Garland. We'll watch... Kevin Porter Jr., we will watch Ennis Cantor. This will actually be one of the tougher opposing big men that Cantor will face because he'll probably see some time against Larry Nance, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson in a rotation throughout the ballgame. I still think he's been more than good enough to warrant a uh, a stash. This is an interesting little footnote because we talked about how Toronto and Boston are playing each other in two consecutive ball games. So two consecutive games for Toronto, but Boston has this one in between the two. So that's pretty weird. 
And this also feels like a little bit of a sandwich trap. So I have a slight lean to the Cleveland side. They're catching uh, almost 14 points. I think it's at 13 and a half right now. Oklahoma City is at Charlotte. Uh, they just came off this letdown loss to Memphis, so I would expect them to come back and play much better in this ball game. Charlotte, when the crap was the last time they even played a basketball game? They've been off for a while now, haven't they? Yeah, they played on the 22nd. Teams with a ton of rest like that tend to be a little bit rusty. Um, you look at it and you're like, well, okay, C's on the back-to-back. I actually like the Thunder in this ball game. Philadelphia is at Orlando. Total letdown game for the Sixers after just dominating the Bucks on Christmas Day. Definitely into the Orlando Magic in this ballgame. Milwaukee, after getting thumped by Philly on Christmas Day, they should come back, look to beat up on Atlanta. Um, I don't like laying 11 on the road, but certainly this would be a spot if I was going to do it, especially as Atlanta tries to figure out how to use John Collins, which, by the way, he's going to be outstanding fantasy-wise. Uh, Kevin Herter, by the way, is the fantasy name to watch. There really hasn't been much leading up to uh, the OKC game, the Philly game. There really was nothing, but uh, we'll keep an eye on Herter. He's been pretty good lately. Indiana at Miami, line not out at the time of this podcast recording. Should be a fun basketball game. I think we've got a pretty good feel for both ball clubs in this particular matchup. And then Phoenix is at Golden State, a letdown game for the Warriors now. I like the Phoenix Suns. I have a lot of really interesting leans on this Friday card, don't I? Lean to Cleveland as a big underdog. Lean to Oklahoma City on the bounce back. Lean to Orlando with Philly on the letdown. Lean to Milwaukee. Uh, That one's a tougher one to really get behind. And then lean to Phoenix. The only reason that you wouldn't go that one is because the Warriors simply have been playing a little bit better they were never quite as awful as they seemed first thing this year. Uh, so you might want to dodge that bullet if they are just trying to catch a few wins, even if it's just a short-term thing, just to sort of get some of this stank off. And then Saturday, this should more or less take care of everything else we need to worry about. There are 13 games on Saturday. What? That's a lot of basketball. Wait, 14? Someone correcting me? It's like I have a producer in my ear. 14 games on Saturday. Holy shnikes. So that's basically everybody. And now our job is going to be to remember who we already talked about as having played on Friday. Memphis-Denver, not much to watch there. I mean, Gary Harris, sort of, just to see if he can kind of keep these this short era of good feelings going. We don't have any lines for these games on Saturday, so we uh, we can't put anything under the batting docket with there. But uh, when we get around to it, we'll just uh, head on over to my bookie and uh, place our wagers. Indy, we've talked about New Orleans. Ah, they've been good lately. They've been good lately. It's Derek Favors' time, man. That's cool. That's a big deal. He's he just he totally changes everything that they do. Totally changes everything that they do. Does that mean that they're going to be competitive every single night? No, definitely doesn't mean that. And Indiana's a really good team, and they play really good defense, and so that's going to pose a new challenge. But they're just not terrible with favors because they're not giving up a ton of easy looks. Look at what he did to Nikola Jokic. He's a good defender. Arguably one of the better big man defenders in the NBA and super underrated. Love him for fantasy. Love him for the Pelicans. Toronto uh, at Boston. We talked about this one because we were talking about these this toronto boston sort of back to backy home and home thing i think Toronto's more competitive in this one than they were on christmas day so when we get a line on this game i'd be inclined to take raptors uh i would assume serge ibaka plays better 
the starters, I would assume, play better, and you probably see less from the reserves. The Knicks, I think we have a good feel for now. They're three or four fantasy guys deep all of a sudden. Washington, we've talked about already. They are a stream factory. Isaiah Thomas is a must-start guy, especially with everybody else dinged up on that team. He'll have usage as far as the eye can see. What if Bradley Beal sat out? Holy crap, Isaiah Thomas might go huge. Let's just get nuts, man. Let's get nuts. Do it to it, IT. Philadelphia, uh, nothing there on the fantasy standpoint. Miami, same thing. Cleveland, we've talked about. Minnesota, you know, it, it really comes down to whether or not Carl Anthony Towns is playing. I'm going to assume he's not. It didn't sound like he was that close on uh, on Thursday, but, you know, who the hell knows. Brooklyn, Houston, Daniel House is the guy we're watching in that ball game. Atlanta, we've talked about. Chicago, I think we got a good feel for these days. They've been playing better with Chris Dunn in the starting lineup. Detroit. Um, I don't think Tim Frazier is going to last as a fantasy asset, but I guess we'll see. You can keep one eye on him. I, I'd be more inclined to say it's going to be Blake, Drummond, uh, and Derrick Rose. San Antonio will keep watching the guards. DeJounte Murray's a start. Derrick White is not. Orlando, talked about him. Milwaukee, George Hill, very good. DiVincenzo, less awesome. Dallas, Delon Wright is the guy I'm watching now to see if he can develop any level of consistency. I think he's just going to sit right on that streaming cusp. Warriors, it's Damian Lee. Phoenix, will DeAndre Ayton play as the story? Sacramento will get a word on Marvin Bagley and, and reassess the Bielitsa situation, but obviously Rashawn Holmes is just a beast among beasts among beasts. So keep trotting him out there. You don't even need to think about that one. Man, he's been so good. He's been so good this year, and the Kings just fell nose first into that one. They had no idea what they were getting. I'm sure of it, based on the fact that they're like, well, maybe we'll just play him and Bagley back-to-back to one another. Uh, Lakers, you might get a Rondo stream if Braun has to miss a few games. Portland, um, I think they had a pretty good idea. You know, it will depend on whether or not you want to give Kent Bazemore any leash. I, I think that he's basically solidified himself as a stream-only type but uh, maybe someone else has more confidence than I do at this point. There's just not quite enough meat on the bone, as our buddy Aaron Bruski likes to say. And then Utah and the Clippers are non-factors from a fantasy standpoint, and I'm going to assume that that covered all 30 teams in the NBA. Safely, I think we can assume. I'm trying to move along at a slightly better clip. I didn't have any really deep thoughts on this one, and I'm excited because next week we should be able to get back into doing some stuff with our amazing guests, hoop ball pros like Josh Millman and uh, Alan Soroki and Brandon Marcus and Pedro Doreste, and I'd love to talk to Coach at some point, and maybe we'll get one of our hosts of the upcoming hoop ball betting podcast with a name that I have not yet revealed, but I'm pretty excited about that as well. Uh, so that'll be coming up next week and then rolling us through the rest of the regular season. This was the Dan Bespris solo week holiday time here on Fantasy NBA Today. I'll remind everybody once again to please drop a five-star review on the podcast, whatever it takes to get it there or have a loved one do it if you've already done so. Uh, I will remind everybody once again to sign up for the Bruise Letter over the weekend, the amazing hoop ball newsletter from the great Aaron Bruski. 10 pages of action-packed newsletter, email only. The only place to get it is to go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. It takes 10 seconds to sign up. And, of course, 
We are always looking for the best and the brightest here at HoopBall. And if you want to get involved, you can bug me on Twitter at Dan Bespris or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, follow me on Twitter at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S or just search for Dan from HoopBall on Google and my Twitter uh, page will be the fourth or fifth result down it's a pleasure to have you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Hope the holidays have been amazing for you. We will talk to everybody first thing next week, the 30th. And we will, just like this week, have a show all five days, including, of course, on New Year's Day. Wow. If we can make it through Saturday, we can make it through anything. A 14-gamer, it should be an absolute wingding. And then there's five on Sunday. Usually you have like an off day mixed in with that stuff. But not this time, ladies and gents. Massive NBA Saturday coming up. Big Friday tonight. Enjoy them. I'm Dan Vasperis. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball and a wine Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you all on Monday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.